0: Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Words are so important that Jesus said that by our words we will be justified and by our words we will be condemned. But every good marriage is the product of many good words. And every bad marriage is the result of bad words or no, more, no words. You have to speak a lot of good words to create a good marriage. But you fell in love because you said good things to each other. You always do. And so you, you're careful, you're patient, uh, and you speak very premeditatedly to bring a right result. And when we secure the relationship and life happens, many times we get into some bad habits and things like that. But the words that we speak create our home. You know, God created... The world with his words and we create our world with our words. We really do. The atmosphere of our home is created by the words that we speak or don't speak. And so when you find a loving home with a good, intimate marriage, you're just looking at a home where there's a lot of loving words that are spoken. Healthy communication, positive communication. But when you come into an angry environment or dysfunctional environment, you have certain things that that are that are present. And I want to talk about the five main roots of bad communication in marriage. Now, we're gonna talk about roots and fruits. We're gonna talk about the root issue, but then because this root exists, how it manifests itself within our, our marriage so that we can be healed, so that we can change certain things and have functional communication. The number one root of negative communication in marriage is inequities and negative role models, okay? Now, we learn from our parents, you know, when little children are growing up, the recorder is going, you wish it weren't, okay? But the recorder's going. We, pr- parents are the most profound influence on children, period. Children are profoundly influenced by their parents. But when you're going through conflict, children are learning to go through conflict. When you're dealing with each other's differences or dealing with other people, they're, they're listening to what you're saying. And we have a tendency to do what our parents did, even if you don't like it. My dad was a finger snapper. And when he got mad at us, you know, he would, and he called us little man, little man. My brothers and I call each other little man. His little man. I hated that. And when my dad snapped his fingers at me, I thought, you know, I hate getting, you know, a finger snapped at me. When our children were born, when Julie, our daughter, she was the firstborn and she did something one day and I went, hey, it just went off. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't try to make it happen. It just, I thought, what? You know, what are you doing here? And so here's the answer for iniquities and bad role models. When you, when you look into your past, maybe your recent past or your distant past, and you realize you have the, that iniquity, you recognize it. Another way to say this is, if I have a bad way of talking, where did this come from? How did I develop this? Did my father do this? Did my mother do this? Did my friends do this? Have I seen this in the movies? Where did did I get this? And I've got to admit it and call it what it is. It's wrong. You know, hatefulness is wrong. Meanness is wrong. Sarcasm is wrong. Silence is wrong. Punishing my spouse with silence—we're just not talking. Those things are wrong. And the second thing is, forgive the person that did it to you. If it's your mom and dad, whatever, you forgive that person. But see, it's like this: How does something bent become straight? And I'll answer the question by submitting it to Jesus. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. Okay. The day that Karen and I almost split up, I woke up that morning and I read John 16. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. I told Karen, Karen stood up to me that night, told me she didn't want me to play golf, began to complain to me. She was righteous about it, but she was standing up to me. I told her to get out of the house. I went in the living room and I sat down and I said this, Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a husband. And everything I teach men today is what the Holy Spirit taught me. He can teach you anything. And when you, you don't, I don't know how to talk. I didn't know how to talk. I was a terrible, terrible communicator. Holy Spirit, teach me how, how to talk. And Here's what happens. See, Jesus isn't bent. Jesus is straight. When children are raised according to the word of God, they grow up straight. They grow up righteous. It's only sin that bends us, whether it's societal sin or family sin. And so we bring, that, we bring that to the Lord and say, I submit this to you. All the pain, all the hurt that comes with it, I forgive, but I pray that you would heal me and cause me to be straight. And what happens is, again, Karen and I want to be the end of all iniquities in our families. We don't want to carry any trash and give it to our children and grandchildren. We want to be the disposal that gets rid of it by the blood of Jesus. Another root of dysfunctional communication is unforgiveness and unhealed hurts. And there's the old saying that hurt, hurt people hurt people. And it really is true that when you're hurting, a lot of times you have the highest incidence of hurting other people. Now, let me, let me say this. There, there are people that I have known in my life that I, I pray that I'm never around again because they have the most damaging mouths of anyone I've ever been around and I know every time I'm around them, I'm going to get damaged. I'm going to get slimed. Anybody, anybody know somebody like that? You know when they walk up, you're going to get slimed. In every case, they were wounded as a child. And, and they don't hide it. They wear it. They wear it like a badge. Somebody hurt me. Somebody was mean to me. My daddy, my stepdaddy, my mama, my friend, whatever. I got hurt. And it's almost like an entitlement that they hurt other people. okay. But because they're hurting, and here's some of the fruits. The root is unforgiveness. I've been damaged. I'm I'm, I'm venting because of damage that's been done to me. Public venting is a fruit of this, and that is I love to get into public and to let this thing out. Okay, it's not a private thing. It's a public thing, and even related to my spouse. Now, some of you may have relatives. That maybe are friends, and you get together, and their spouse trashes the other spouse in public. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. This is a person that likes a platform. They like a stage, and they're hurting. There's there's unforgiveness there. See, unforgiveness is like a teapot. It's going to whistle. It, it's the the what the pressure that's building up through my anger has got to find a way out. Okay whether it's self-harm or harming somebody else or whatever I say. And so what this is is this is a venting of this unforgiveness and of this, this you know, thing that's going on inside of me. And here is the, here's the standard. We always honor each other in public. And again, this goes back to maybe your mom does this to your dad or your dad does this to your mom or your friends do this or whatever. If I've got something to say to Karen, I'm gonna say it to her in private. But I'm not going to wait till we get in a public place to begin to trash her or anybody else. Another, another fruit now of this route is passive aggressive behavior. Now here's what passive aggressive behavior is. You know, again, when we have a problem with someone, we walk up to that person and say, Hey, love you. I need to talk. There's something bothering me. That's the functional way to deal with it. Passive aggressive behavior means two things. I'm not going to do something for you I know you want me to do. And I'm gonna do something I know you don't want me to do. Okay. So I know that you have certain needs that you want to have met. I'm not gonna meet them. I am passively being aggressive with you. I'm not being aggressive with you in the sense that I'm coming up and saying you're, you know, you're you're ugly and your mom addresses you funny. You know, that's that's aggressive, that's frontal. I'm coming to you and I'm saying, you know, to you. Something I know you don't want me to say. I'm going to do something I don't know. I know you don't want me to eat chips in bed, so I'm going to bring them all to bed. And I'm not going to say a word about it because I just know it annoys you, you. know, I'm not going to do something I know you want me to do. I'm going to do something I know you don't want me to do. And what I'm trying to do is get back at you. And again, it's dysfunctional. It's not honest. It's not the right way to behave. And again, it's something that you may have been trained into. Most damage with their mouth, the most abuse with their mouth, it goes back to a wound from their past. Okay, that they won't forgive. Well, what's the answer? Forgiveness. You, you have to go back. You have to understand, regardless of who hurts you, the person you're married to is going to get the worst of it. Okay. Uh, it may be a person dead that wounded you, but you're going to hurt your, hurt people, hurt people. And so I go back and you say, how do I forgive? Let me tell you how to forgive. First of all, you release that person from your judgment. See, we're not qualified to judge. God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He's, God is the only person who has the qualifications to judge another person. When, when you have hate, some people have been so badly abused sexually, physically, verbally. They've been so unbelievably abused that it explains how messed up they are. We had a guy in our church, one of the weirdest guys I've ever met. And I just kept thinking, this guy is so weird. And one day I was talking to him and I just thought, why, he, why is he so weird? And he he was smiling one day. I was talking to him. He, said, he had this weird smile on his face, and I thought he's he the weirdest human I've ever met in my life. And so we're we're sitting there talking, and smile, he smile who's smiling at me. He said, "Pastor Jimmy, I know that, I know you know I have a problem with authority." And I said, "Yeah." And he was like, "Most rebellious human I've ever met in my life." And he said, uh, "I had eleven stepfathers." I said, what? He said, I stepfathers, Pastor Jimmy. And I was abused by several of them very badly. He said, I struggle with trust. We were friends from that moment forward. And an instant before that, I thought, you're the weirdest guy I've ever known. The next instant, I thought, it's amazing how normal he is based on what he's been through. See, what I found out a long time ago, I'm just not qualified to judge other people. And so I've got to give that to the Lord and bless them and bless them the blessing i release the judgment to god and there's several sayings i love forgiveness doesn't make them right it just makes me free and until we let our past die god won't let our future live and I, I like that and when we go back into our past all of us have been hurt but we have to come to a place that we stop letting that anger reside within us and hurt other people through us. Maybe our spouse hurt us. Maybe it's an ex-spouse hurt us. Whatever, the fruits of that though are all kinds of bad stuff. So we have to get that out. Another root is insecurity, and our security should be in God. We're all. Every person's insecure. I believe. I, I don't think anyone. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't deal with some level of insecurity. When we got married, Karen and I were both insecure, but Karen was outwardly insecure. And the fruits of that, first of all, lack of affection and giving. I couldn't, uh, I could not be verbally affectionate with Karen when we first met. Physically, either for that matter. And it was, it was mistraining, number one. But the other thing, it was just insecurity on my part. I have a friend and the way, here's, here's the way he talks to his wife. If he says to his wife, pass the ketchup, I would say, hey, Karen, would you pass the ketchup? Here's what, here's what my friend would say. You most gorgeous human on the planet love of my life, would you please pass me the ketchup? And when I hear him, I'm just thinking, why can't I do that? But he's more secure, that's why. I mean, insecurity causes you to be overly sensitive. It causes you to be dishonest. Not dishonest as in telling lies, but dishonest as in not telling the truth. Because I'm insecure, I'm afraid of what you're gonna do if I tell the truth. Uh, fear, motivation, all that type of thing. The answer is putting your security in God. We're all insecure without God. In fact, if you're secure without God, you're deceived. You shouldn't be secure. My security is in God. Pursuing God and making my security in Him, rather my security being in you. The Lord changes everything when we have an active daily relationship with Him. We take our fears and hurts and insecurity to Him and we become secure in God. That's the answer for that. And number four, root, is ignorance. Is just being ignorant. Ignorant of your spouse. Ignorant of how to you know, resolve conflict and things like that. Which causes frustration and stress. Karen used to say things to me. I didn't understand women. I was completely ignorant concerning women. And I didn't understand Karen's need for security. And I didn't understand that she was a normal woman. And Karen used to say things to me. And here's what I would say. That's crazy, Karen. She's crazy. And I would get so frustrated with her because I was just ignorant of the opposite sex. I was ignorant of her needs. And out of my ignorance, I would just say things that were so insensitive and so, so wrong. I was in, you know, one of a woman's most important needs is the need for uh, security. And so I didn't know that. I just thought she ought to be just like me. And because she wasn't, she was weird. But I also had a counseling situation where there was a man in there. This is a young man, maybe about 40 years old. And this, this man and woman were in for counseling and um, they had had a lot of fights, a lot of real severe fights and, uh, because she wouldn't give him sex. And um, so they were in, in my office and we were talking and she, she turned and he said, honey, I need sex. I mean, I'm, I'm being pure, I'm being faithful to you, but I need sex. I don't understand why you won't give it to me. And she looked at him and said, it's because I don't wanna have sex with you. I just don't want it. There was no marital problem. There was not a need in, in her that he was not meeting. He was a very attentive husband. But her her response, not understanding, is one of the most profound needs in a man's life. And meeting each other's needs, we need to understand, we almost never have the same need at the same time. If you have the same needs at the same time, you just need to take a picture of it and worship it the rest of your life. Okay. is just, you know, is... A good marriage is two servants in love. A good marriage is, honey, what do you need? Doesn't matter if I need it. Doesn't matter if I understand it. Honey, what do you need? I'll, I'll meet your needs. But when we're ignorant of the opposite sex and see what happens is, is a lot of times, you know, the, there's this old saying that marriage is about becoming one. The question is which one? is we get married and there's just vie for who, who's going to win and who, whose house it's going to be and which personality it's going to you know, be. It's both. Marriage is a win-win situation. We both get our needs met. But when you're ignorant of the opposite sex and you're ignorant of how God made marriage, it'll cause you to say and do things that are very harmful. And this, this uh, woman, for an example, she's a good woman. She wasn't a bad woman. She didn't mean to hurt her husband. She thought there was something wrong with him. Because he wanted more sex than she did. She was ignorant of the fact that she married a normal man. And his sexual needs kept drawing him back to her. It's, it's a magnet that God put in men that keeps drawing them back to their wives. God gave men the need for sex and women the gift of sex. It's a wonderful thing. So we need to understand each other and meet each other's needs. And here's the last one. is pride. It's, and this is kind of the original sin of marriage. But pride and some of the fruits of pride or blame transfer, not taking responsibility for uh, my problems, dominance. And another one is being unteachable. Teachability always precedes success. Having a teachable spirit, always, what, whatever you're teachable in is what you're going to be successful at because you're humble. You show me a wealthy person who's been wealthy for very long, and I'll show you someone who has financial advisors all around them. You show me someone who is chronically successful in marriage, I'll show you someone who reads and listens and pursues information. But you show me someone who is chronically unsuccessful in anything, and I'll show you someone with pride and an unteachable spirit. And even in the midst of their failure, they think they know more than others. And humility and teachability always precede success. And so... What we have to realize is when we're full of pride that it comes out in all the ways that we just talk about being dominant, being disrespectful, you know, inability to take correction, admit we're wrong and things like that. Uh, and I wanna close this, this message just simply by saying the words of my, our mouths are nuclear. This is the way I started. They're nuclear. The, the words that we speak in our marriages are absolutely crucial. And I am the gatekeeper of my mouth. But my mouth, Jesus said, called our hearts a tree, okay? And he called our words the fruit of the tree, okay? He said, a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. We have to understand when bad things are coming out of our mouth, that means something's wrong with our hearts. And only I can change that, and I need to change that. Bad words will never bring a good result. And good words will never bring a bad result. Whenever we're speaking you know the truth to each other, and doing it correctly, it'll it'll bring the right results in our marriage. And all of us have some level of dysfunction, especially when we first get married. The key is understanding the power of words, and taking responsibility for our own behavior, submitting ourselves to the Lord, and making sure that when some, when I say something that is wrong, that I take responsibility for it that I deal with the root issue, whether it's bitterness, whether it's an iniquity, whether it's whatever it is, pride, I take deal with the root issue of it. And in doing that, it'll make sure that my mouth becomes a place of health and life for my spouse and not a place of pain. Hey guys,
1: welcome back. We are Dave and Ashley Willis with Marriage Today. So honored that you're joining us right now to watch this. And we're talking about something very important today. And it's how to break the negative cycle of just negativity in your marriage and replace it with with a culture of forgiveness and grace and encouragement in your marriage, which can be just an absolute life changer in the home.
2: It's so true. I think so many times we can get caught in the trap where we're assuming the worst of our spouse because we know our spouse so well. And the longer we're married, I think some of us think, well, I'm an expert in who they are. So instead of just assuming the best, I need to kind of hold them accountable. You know, I think we tell ourselves that. I'm holding him accountable. I'm holding her accountable and showing them all their faults, when really that's that's completely not what we're supposed to do. We need to assume the best. And I think sometimes we can get caught in the trap of assuming the worst by using terms like you always or you never. And that that just gets us in trouble so many yeah. times because we can be you know, having an argument and then we throw out that you always do this or you, you never. never do this. And it just completely cuts off the communication.
1: It it really does, and it puts both people on the defensive because yes. they realize, oh, well, they're keeping score, mm-hmm. so I've got to keep score too, and we're never really accurate in the scorekeeping game. We always rank ourselves too high. We always rank the spouse too, other spouse too low, and nobody wins. When you keep score in marriage, nobody wins. It has yes. to be this constant flow of grace. You know, marriage isn't 50-50 where you're meeting in the middle. Divorce is 50-50 because you're splitting everything in half. Marriage has to be 100-100 where yes. both people are given everything they have even in those moments when the other spouse might not be reciprocating, they're saying, you know what? I want to give a hundred percent. I want to be the best husband, the best wife mm-hmm. that I can be.
2: It's so true. And you know, we need to think about the negative thoughts that are going through our mind. And when we start having a negative thought about our spouse, I just want to challenge you when this happens, think about what if he really isn't trying to hurt me? What right. if, this was just kind of an accident and he didn't mean it this way or she didn't mean it that way. And when you start to kind of replace those negative thoughts with assuming the best about your spouse and giving them the benefit of the doubt, it completely changes things. And you know, and I know we've gone, we've both gone through this and it's like, I, I just have gotten to the point where I will switch and I'll say, I know, I know Dave loves me. I know he wants the best for me and the best for our marriage. So I'm gonna assume the best in this scenario. This doesn't mean you don't address something that bothers you, but it does get you to stop beating your spouse up in your mind. Because if you're beating your spouse up in your mind all day long, and then all of a sudden they come home from work and you get home from work, you're ready to go at them. And so you don't want that to happen. You wanna be in a peaceful state where maybe something's bothering you, but you're assuming the best, and that way you can talk about it in a healthy way.
1: Yeah, it's not building up this bitterness inside you. And then even when yeah. you address it, instead of just snapping at him, like, "What yes. in the world were you thinking? You were being such a, an idiot!" Mm-hmm. Instead of a, nobody's going to win with that kind of conversation. Instead, saying, "Look, when when you said this or when you did this, um, I didn't." How, just talk through where you were coming from because I know I know your, your motives and intentions are good and I right. believe the best in you, but help me understand like where you're coming from because I'm seeing this situation in a different way. And if you'll just approach it in a disarming way instead of an accusing way, it'll change the tone of the conversation. And instead right. of becoming a fight, it can actually be a really healthy discussion.
2: It can. You know, if you're feeling like your spouse maybe has a tone that's negative towards you, because it's not always the words. Sometimes it's just the tone, tone, like a sharp tone. Instead of being like, you're always so mad, you know, say, hey, sweetie, are you okay? Did something happen today? Is there something that we, you know, maybe could talk through that would help you? How can I help you? When we take on that kind of tone with them, it's completely disarming. And it really kind of keeps our hearts open to each other instead of them being hardened.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And sometimes it, it's the timing of and the not timing, wanting yes. to push the conversation when you see that they're they're really upset, mm-hmm. but taking a step back and just saying, Hey, you seem upset, is there anything I can do to help? Mm-hmm. And then an hour later when they've cooled off, say, you know, talk to me. You know, talk me through why you're feeling such tension. What yes. can I do to help? How can we support each other through this? And if you just remind each other, we're here, we've got each other's back. We're not enemies, we're partners, we're we're best friends and we're gonna face every situation together. Just reminding yourself of that can make all the difference.
2: It's so true. There's so much more we want to say when it comes to this topic, and we'd like to hear from you. So please join us at MarriageToday.com. We'll see you next time.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today.